I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female. I launched this podcast so that powerful women would share their journey to unlocking their own potential, to empower others, and to inspire change. If you like today's show, as always, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast app of your choice. Today, my guest is Megan Hall Jacquin, who is a partner at Howie, Sachs & Henry, a personal injury law firm based in Toronto. Forget what you think you know about personal injury lawyers, negatively known as ambulance chasers, because Megan is a true modern-day superwoman, fighting for social justice and going against big insurance companies and corporations to defend the rights of her clients, often women. Megan also gives back through her involvement with Shelter Movers, a pan-Canadian organization founded by her husband, Mark Jacquin. Shelters Movers helps women who are trying to leave an abusive situation in their household by taking care of their move while they transition to a shelter. Megan and I spoke about the usual, you know, harassment and bullying, but also about the competitiveness that can exist among women in the workplace. Megan has chosen to turn negative into positive and she advocates for more mentorship and more support between women, something she puts in action herself. Here is our conversation. Welcome to The Brennis Female, Megan, it's a pleasure to have you, and we're meeting here in the offices of Shelter Movers, an organization that you're involved with, uh, actively involved with in Toronto, so we'll come back and talk about what that is, but before we get into that, I'd like to go back at the start, talking about young Megan growing up, tell me a little bit more about where you grew up, um, what, was, what were your dreams and aspirations? Uh, when you were a child, and what did you envision yourself doing later as a career? Sure, I was born in Newfoundland to two university professors. I was raised with three sisters. We moved to Ottawa, and I lived a pretty good childhood, uh, upper middle class family. I was told that I could do anything mm. by my parents, and that I think really enabled me to pursue any dream that I had. And one thing that they did instill in me, given my privileged background, was the whole philosophy of to whom much is given, much is expected. And so I was really challenged to, through education and through giving back to the community, finding a way that I could make an impact. Mm -hmm. And that was the challenge, sort of growing up and into my adulthood was that my parents encouraged me and empowered me to find a way to make a difference. Mm. Did you have an idea of what you'd like to do? Was it already in your mind that uh, studying law would be an interesting option for you? I look back now and I see in some of those you know, yearbooks what your aspiration was as mm -hmm. a child. And surprisingly to me, because I don't remember the mindset then, and almost every year it was lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. <laughs> and I think that, I mean, my teachers would have told you the same thing. I'm very competitive. I was always a public speaker. Mm -hmm. I always enjoyed a challenge. Uh, I wouldn't accept anybody telling me no. I love negotiating. I love helping people. So I think it really suits my personality mm -hmm. in many ways. It was a natural fit for mm -hmm. me. And you went on to study law directly, so that was your, you already knew that was your, your the, 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 the field you were interested in uh, for school. I have a background undergraduate degree in political science and history. Okay. It was, again, sort of a natural progression. I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to be a lawyer when I got to that stage, but I thought, it can't hurt to have a law degree. There's so many things that you can do with a law degree, so many different fields you can go in. Mm -hmm. So I did, you know, I went through the process, I articled, and then I discovered what I was meant to do. Mm -hmm. 
did you have any role models or women that you looked up could be men as well but uh, any role models who kind of give you an idea of what that future in law could be or maybe it was a role model in a different field who inspired you so I have to say that it was my mom mm -hmm. my mom was one she was the only woman in her PhD economics class at McGill and she through her career became a leader in the climate change uh, environmental mm. area and represented uh, you know Canada at the United Nations and things towards the end of her career Wow and she is somebody who uh, is honestly the smartest person I know mm. she's very very logical she's very dominant mm -hmm. and she inspired me with some of those qualities mm -hmm. uh, in terms of just not accepting that women may be a minority in a certain field or mm -hmm. women may not have a voice in certain areas she probably worked harder than some others but she became very very well respected in her field mm -hmm. because she wouldn't take no for an answer and that really I think instilled some of those values in me mm -hmm. going into a profession like law that yeah. is male dominated mm -hmm. and uh, I just it didn't intimidate me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to do it and I think it was her example that said that right and you grew up in an environment where and as you said to start the interview your parents let you believe that you could do anything you wanted that was very much part of your upbringing I assume for you and your sisters it was very much part of our upbringing there was absolutely nothing that we were not uh, encouraged to do or permitted to do mm -hmm. because of any limitations we mm -hmm. might have and that could be gender that could be uh, it could be any any limitation mm -hmm. just didn't exist we right. were encouraged to overcome that's amazing yeah. <laughs> I'm very fortunate yeah your mom sounds wonderful she is she's uh, somebody you don't want to mess with <laughs> um, well you probably inherited that as well <laughs> I did I'm trying to be soft as well um, my father probably instilled the sort of softness in in me mm -hmm. and in my sisters mm -hmm. uh, with his patience and his humility so it really was a good balance they're right. a good match in that respect and mm -hmm. I think they've instilled a lot of those different qualities in me or at least I hope they have mm -hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about starting to study law and as you mentioned you eventually found the path to personal injury law. So how did that happen? How did you make that specific field? So in terms of studying law, I'm, you know, the, the classes were interesting. I studied, I was, I was a good student. Um, the, at the end of law school, my biggest highlight really was, was being the valedictorian. Okay. I was able to address a crowd of hundreds of people. I love the ability to public speak. Mm -hmm. um, that, along obviously with my education, allowed me to get an articling position in downtown Toronto. It was quite a transition going from Fredericton, New Brunswick, where I studied mm -hmm. law, to mm -hmm. downtown Toronto, which was much more cutthroat. Um, and I articled defending insurance companies in personal injury claims. Oh, so you were working on the other side. Exactly. And I learned within five minutes that that was not for me. Hmm. But I did learn as well that I really admired the people on the other side. So the people who were the David versus I was representing the Goliath, mm -hmm. the people who were advocating for the victims. Mm. And that's why I stayed in personal injury. I switched immediately after articling to one of the top personal injury firms in the city and frankly in the country. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate to have that opportunity. But since then, I have only practiced at Howie Sachs and Henry. I'm now a partner there. And I am 
just so fortunate to be able to represent the victims in these personal injury cases. Mm. Um, so it's been a really rewarding career that I've had. And I just, you know, if maybe if I hadn't started on the other side, mm-hmm. defending the insurance companies, I wouldn't have been in personal injury at all. Mm. Um, it's hard to know what would have happened. Yes, it's what gave you insight into what you could do working on the victim, on the victim side. Really. It's true. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Um, were there any obstacles and you're you know your woman a partner in a, uh, a large law firm were there any obstacles at the start of your career and kind of climbing up the ladder within that that law firm specifically being a woman in a male-dominated industry or so profession interestingly I mean, obst- there's stereotypical obstacles, right. uh, or you know, that are that are understood there in the legal profession, and and they exist. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. I knew that I was going into a male-dominated dominated industry, uh, especially in litigation. Mm-hmm. It is male-dominated, and again, because of this mindset that I had as a child or growing up, <clears throat> nobody's going to say, nobody's going to tell me no, and mm-hmm. it it was a challenge that I faced, and I said, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I am going to prove that I am just as good or better as any man in litigation. I have certain skills that I am going to use and nobody's going to, well, this is what I, I, my goal was that nobody would stand in my way. Right. Uh, The interesting thing though was as I went and articled, I actually found that some women were harder on me and that was more of a challenge than the men and perhaps it is because the harassment exists yeah it's a day-to-day thing with with men uh i choose my battles sometimes i call them on it sometimes i let it go it's it's a real thing we all know this the thing i was really surprised about though is that women who were more senior to me gave me a very difficult time Mm. and i was surprised at that and that experience was a very difficult one Mm. as a young lawyer just articling just getting getting your footing but that experience, looking back, actually motivated me to become a mentor to other women coming up behind me because mm-hmm. I don't want them to have that feeling. There are enough challenges. It mm-hmm. is a competitive and and difficult enough career without having other women create roadblocks. Right. And so I actually have taken every opportunity that I can to mentor younger women, and frankly, men too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that we have a, a civil you know, communities so that we have a respectful community and so that women actually feel empowered in what still is a male-dominated profession. And it's very interesting you say that because that question has come up a lot. Um, I did a couple of live events and it's funny, um, I think the, 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 my last three live events, somebody raised their hand and said, how do you deal with women who are being competitive or are putting, you know, obstacles in your way. Uh, because we talk about women empowerment and women supporting each other, but in the workplace I've had that experience too of having women who are extremely competitive um, and then who end up being your enemies within a corporation. I I'd love your thoughts on that. I wasn't sure if I should bring this up because mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do is attack other women mm-hmm. or suggest that they're a problem. But mm-hmm. I think there really are two problems. Yeah. One problem is is the male, you know, harassment, mm-hmm. we, we, we're dealing with that, I yeah. hope, in yeah. a productive way. But there is an issue with women creating difficulties for others. And mm-hmm. why that is, I don't know. Yeah. It exists. But I think we need to call it out because yeah. I think it needs to be addressed as well. Yeah. 
I don't know if it's that the women that came before us and paved the way felt like they had a hard time and why should we have it easy. I don't know if women are jealous of other women and feel like there's a limited space in the industry and therefore they're they're threatened. Mm. But somebody told me once, a partner of mine actually, when I started at the firm, she's a little bit senior to me, Renee Vanette, who works at my firm, like I said. She said to me, Megan, you are beautiful. And that does not make me any less beautiful. Mm-hmm. You are intelligent, and that does not make me any less intelligent. I will celebrate your successes, and I will encourage you. And that was a breath of fresh air for me coming out of the articling experience mm-hmm. that I had had. And I really have internalized that. Mm-hmm. Because you are beautiful and successful, you deserve my praise, my support, my encouragement, and frankly, that makes us stronger as a whole. Mm-hmm. So I you know, for what I can do as an individual. I'm trying to make a difference in younger uh, women's lives, Mm -hmm. women in the profession, even men in the profession, Mm. by saying, let's not cut each other down and create more difficulty. I think it is a real issue, and I'm trying to do what I can to change that mindset. Mm. And I think that's amazing. You're turning a negative into a positive. But I think, and and you brought it up yourself, I think there is that idea of, of, or that notion of scarcity where women used to and it's it's ingrained in our dna to a certain point where you know after centuries of conditioning we usually have to compete for men's attention whether as a partner a romantic partner or a boss an employer and and that's still that's still very much ingrained in how we behave in the workplace um I think we need to move out of that cycle because now there is, you know, there's enough work for everybody, there's enough opportunities for every woman. Um, I think there is that with the more kind of senior generation, the generation before us, where if you wanted to make it to an executive level, you had to fight very hard to get that to that position because not that many women could access superior levels in an organization. But now that's no longer an issue. There is room and women can do whatever they want. I couldn't agree with you more. So again, it's about changing the way we communicate. It's Mm. changing the way we think and encourage each other and Mm. actually verbalizing that. You know, I have found that people's demeanor literally transforms when I say something encouraging. Mm. And they're kind of taken aback sometimes. What? I have nice eyes or what you are not threatened by the fact that I just got a huge victory at the court of appeal Mm. it's like that's amazing that's amazing for us as a whole it's amazing for you as an individual how are you going to use that to build your career to Mm. further your you know your presence in this Mm. industry so again it doesn't take away from me to praise you to support you Mm. and I think that that message is so key for all of us because I mean, it makes me feel good to give you a compliment, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from me. No. It only builds so someone else up. game. And then they're going to go and build someone else yeah. up. And they're going to go and build someone else up. And it'll have a ripple effect. At mm. least that's my, mm. that's my hope. I think it's often been said, too, that men are naturally very good at um, networking within the workplace. And, you know, we talk about the, the, the old boys club and, and things like that. Men support each other. And women have had a harder time, it seems, to really create that same uh, kind of informal network within the workplace. I agree with that. I think that a lot of us see each other as competitors. Um, I have, over the years, developed a network of, of women. I do personal injury litigation strictly. I'm a specialist in in certain, or I specialize in only certain areas. So I don't do family law. I don't do tax law. I don't do, you know, corporate Corporate commercial. I have a network of women that I will refer that work to, and Mm -hmm. I hope they do the same to me in return, because Mm -hmm. 
I get it. I am a mother. I am a lawyer. I so are they to a large you know. Some of them are mothers, all of them are women. Mm-hmm. So I would rather send work to other women mm-hmm. uh, and and I hope that they do the same in return. Mm-hmm. And again, I have, over the past 13 years, built that network and that community and encouraged everyone to sort of build each other up and make mm-hmm. sure that we're supporting each other's practices. And I think it's starting. Mm-hmm. There are a lot more women law organizations than there used yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. So what would be your advice for a young woman that would you know, ask the question if she is feeling um, like there, there are competitive women around her or somebody that's really specifically feeling threatened by her success and you know, acting competitive and jealous to a certain extent in the workplace. How would you deal with that situation? How would you suggest she deal with that situation? I think I would suggest that she seek out some sort of mentor, mm-hmm. and it could be uh, a woman, it could be a man that is understanding of, of the situation. Mm-hmm. I think I would suggest that they address it head on. Right. I did not as an Articling student, and I was horribly intimidated, and I was crying all the time, and I almost left law entirely, mm-hmm. and I, I do look back and wish I'd handled that differently. Mm-hmm. I would definitely encourage them to have somebody that they can go to, to seek guidance, to intervene if they need to, to call out the problem and to address it. Because it really can change somebody's uh, confidence, somebody's future career, somebody's reputation if they let it get that far. Mm. Um, And I will be that person and I've made it clear to the extent that I can communicate with with these people that I will be a support for you, I will be an advocate for you, Mm -hmm. and I will work through this problem with you, regardless of what firm you're at or what issues you're dealing with, Mm because I think it's really important that the problem be addressed Mm -hmm. and not just ignored. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and now to go back, so I think there's a lot of misconceptions around personal injury law. Um, you know, your profession is referred to as ambulance chasers, or um, I think that's the old way of looking at that particular field. But, you know, when I was reading about some of the cases that you've worked on and some very public cases, the work that you do is amazing. It's really about social justice and defending victims that often have no voice and no one on their side against a giant insurance company or a medical group. Um, So I'd love to know a little bit maybe about some of the cases that you work on or typically what would be the type of case that you do take on. Sure. So Howie Saxon Henry, the firm that I work at, speaks only on behalf of the victims. So we are always up against the insurance companies. Mm -hmm. When you think about insurance companies, um, I know that sometimes people think about personal injury lawyers as, like you said, ambulance chasers. When you think about insurance companies, you got to think about huge corporations that have billions of dollars in profits. Mm -hmm. And people, you know, lay people, people out there on the street are not the ones lobbying government for better legislation, better laws that protect them when they're in accidents. Right. Insurance companies do. Right. So the law is often mm-hmm. lopsided. It's right. often designed that is in favor of these major mm-hmm. corporations. Mm-hmm. And so I like to think of myself as a voice as an advocate for people who are victims. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking not only of say somebody who's not familiar with how to work with an insurance company or submit applications or argue for certain benefits. Mm -hmm. These are people who are victims in the sense that they can't walk anymore or they can't go to work anymore or they have a brain injury and they have to learn how to eat again. Mm -hmm. 
So can you imagine how daunting it would be to face and fight an insurance company when you can't even do your day-to-day activities? So that's where we come in. We really do help people. Uh, We have tremendous experience on how to build cases, how to make sure that a treatment team is in place for the person to support them through their rehab, Mm. how to access funding uh, through the insurance company or through other, you know, community funding that's available to them. And I'm also fortunate to be at a firm that has the experience and the resources to take things to trial. Right. So, you know, very small percentage cases that go to trial, but we will go to trial. Mm-hmm. We will try jury cases uh, and we, uh, we will not apologize for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. We will take it all the way if we need to. Mm-hmm. So the type of work that we do, medical malpractice cases, nursing home negligence, slip and fall cases, long-term disability, a lot of motor vehicle accidents, mm. but we also do mass torts. So those are cases where we represent people across the country right. um, for usually products liability. Mm-hmm. So we're leading uh, breast implants mm. causing breast cancer. We're leading the case uh, in talc powder causing oh, ovarian yes. cancer. Yes. We're leading, my partner Renee Vanat and I are leading the Esher litigation, which is a birth control mm-hmm. implant that has caused horrific side effects and hysterectomies and everything in young mm-hmm. women. So we, um, you know, this is all we do. We mm-hmm. literally, we help people to get compensation that they need to help them do those day-to-day activities mm-hmm. or to help them with income loss mm-hmm. and, you know, so that's very impressive work. Um, and the reason that so many, you mentioned only a small number of cases actually do go to trial, and it's and I assume it's because insurance companies end up uh, settling with, with victims before it gets to that point, which right. again highlights the importance of the work you do because that is an option for someone who's finding themselves a victim in a situation like that. Exactly, yeah, a lot of cases resolve. Um, and ultimately it's our clients, so it is the victim's decisions. We are just there as support, we're there to give advice, we're there to, you know, assess the value of the case, and with experts, we can work on what the future looks like. What Mm -hmm. are your future costs to support these needs, or to modify your home, or to get you back to work in some sort of capacity. And so if we can convince the insurance company defendant to Mm -hmm. pay, then the case gets resolved. Mm. And if we can't, then we, we, we take it all the way and the insurers yeah, the know that we will. Going to trial. That's yeah. right, yeah. Uh, can you tell me maybe about one case at any point if you're in your career that really uh, struck close to home was really something that gave you, uh, you know, a sense of purpose and amazing uh, pride in the work that you do? So there are, there are so many that impact you on a day-to-day basis. It really helps me keep perspective. Um, I can talk, you know, sort of generally about the nursing home negligence cases that Mm. we do. Uh, They are really, they hit me close to home because these elderly, our elderly population are some of our most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Often they have dementia or they cannot speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so for them to be mistreated just seems wrong on every level. Mm -hmm. And so I really, frankly, I enjoy the opportunity to speak for them, to advocate for them. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our baby cases with birth errors, these children that need 24-hour care for the rest of their lives, the parents, you know, I can relate as a parent. Mm-hmm. I can't relate. I can 
my heart goes out to them as a parent Um, just because I mean I can't relate in the sense that I don't have a child with that kind of disability but again my heart goes out to these parents and I want to do everything I can to help Mm -hmm. and perhaps you know the most recent case that has impacted me greatly is uh, my 45 year old client who is in the Ottawa bus crash Mm -hmm. who lost both of her legs she's a few years older than me right she has two little boys and to see her I speak to her at least on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. and to see her take this on she says this is the this is the cards that I've been dealt Mm -hmm. and this is the cards that I'm gonna play Mm -hmm. these are the cards I'm gonna play and to see how she is taking on her rehab she is just taking life by the the horns Mm -hmm. quite literally and she's incredibly inspiring that despite these huge obstacles she faces she's got this incredible attitude she's got a very supportive husband and I almost I almost look forward to our conversations to Mm. hear what next she has to tell me about her successes because Mm. it's incredibly inspiring Mm -hmm. to hear and it really helps me keep things in perspective because what seems like a big deal to me on a day-to-day basis Mm. is simply not and so I think that really helps me keep a balance Mm -hmm. you know but what's important and what's not. Mm-hmm. And your work feeds your soul too, which absolutely is probably very rewarding. And that's, you know, I wish everybody would have a career that is fulfilling as a mine. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I'm something I'm so fortunate to, to have is that mm-hmm. ability to connect with people. You develop, these cases last for years. Right, you right, develop right. a relationship with your clients. Mm-hmm. They are very dependent on you in terms mm-hmm. of the trust. And it's an honor it truly is an honor to be the person that mm. they're trusting to guide them through such difficult times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So That's I love amazing. it. <laughs> Good. Um, you obviously go up against big, powerful insurance companies, uh, large, you know, medi- medical groups, and so on. Um, they're probably, you know, not liking you very much <laughs> in those moments, and you've built an amazing reputation for the work that you do. Um, do you ever find yourself being bullied by anyone on, on the other side? So this line of work is not for the faint of heart, right. I have to say. Right. There are days when I go home very discouraged. Mm-hmm. I feel very beat up. Uh, I do fight on a day-to-day basis. Right. I try to find common ground. I try to make things, you know, humanize things as mm-hmm. much as possible and relate to the defense lawyers. But at the end of the day, my clients are being bullied. Right. And, you know, I... Thinking back to my childhood, my older sister is two years older than me, and she was badly bullied, Mm. badly bullied by a lot of boys, um, and so they were two to three years older than me. Mm. I was bigger than my sister, uh, and I stood up for her, and I did it constantly. Mm. And to think back on those years is quite painful for me, Mm. because to see somebody you love suffering. And I stood up for her constantly. Mm. And that, anybody being bullied, lights a fire in me that I cannot begin to describe. Mm. I will treat you with respect. I will, like I said, try to relate to you. I will try to negotiate and be kind. But the moment that you are bullying or taking advantage of somebody, all bets are off. Mm -hmm. And I will not stand for it. And my husband jokes that nobody wants to cross me. And <laughs> he mentioned that the first time I was introduced to you, so that, that stuck with me. <laughs> so I am not afraid to stand up to a bully. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it happens more often than I'd like to admit in mm-hmm. our line of work. Right. Yeah. 
when you stand up to them and you don't let them win, basically. And the more you stand up to them, the more empowered you feel. Yeah. And the more you'll do it. Mm. And I just, you know, as my career has progressed, I will take less and less of it. Mm. And there are lines that you, they, I will not let them cross. I will not accept. Mm. And it is what it is. Mm -hmm. So for young women who are interested in a career in law and considering the same, uh, similar path as you and a similar uh, specific in specialty as you, what would be your words of advice? So I will not sugarcoat things. Mm -hmm. This is not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. It is uh, not easy. It is still male-dominated. Right. It is still uh, an industry that I think is underrepresented in terms of minorities. Uh, and I think we all have an obligation, if we make it in, to encourage change right. and to encourage those coming behind us mm -hmm. in any way that we can. I would also talk to them, though, about the reality of balancing a career like ours with a desire to have a family. Mm. If they want to do that, uh, I would say over my years of experience that I've come to the point, people always ask how I do it, how I balance it, because I have three young kids, mm -hmm. nine-year-old, seven-year-old, and four-year-old. I have had to accept that I cannot be the best lawyer and I cannot be the best mother. Mm -hmm. I try to do both the best I can, and that has to be good enough. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, from time to time, or, or often, I realize successes in both areas, at right. home and at work, but times I fall short, and I have to forgive myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that has I have learned over the years, because it's easy for us, I think, especially as women, yeah. who are expected to do Everything at home, now, I have a wonderfully supportive husband, thank yes. goodness. But we're expected to do a lot of the basics at home yeah. still. Well, and I think we put that pressure on ourselves yes. without anyone, you know, telling us. Absolutely. I agree. And especially, like I can say from my own experience, I have a husband who we really split it 50-50 quite, right. you know. But I still, like you said, I put that pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. And at work, I want to be the best. Mm -hmm. And after so many years of constantly disappointing myself because I just can't seem to do it all, I began to realize that my best is good enough. Mm -hmm. And I will fail in both areas sometimes and I will realize wonderful successes in both areas and I just have to be happy when I do that mm -hmm. and just do my best. You know, When I'm in trials and I'm away and Mark is home alone with the kids, he manages, yeah. you know, I don't yeah. have to, I, it, it's pretty incredible yeah. that it, it works. Yeah. And do I feel guilty for being away? Yes. But that is what my career is. Mm -hmm. And that is what I need to do at that time. And, um, you know, I, I put my robes on when my kids were present or were around, I can't remember exactly where we were a little while ago. And they said, Mama, what is that? What are you wearing? And it was really eye-opening for me because that's me. Mm -hmm. Like I am a lawyer. I wear the black gowns and life. the tabs. Yeah. And you've never seen this. Yeah. And they're a huge part of my life. Mm -hmm. So it was just so eye-opening for me to see mm. or to realize that these two parts of my life are very separate. Yeah. And yet they're so connected. Mm -hmm. So. And when did it take you a long time to realize, and you were just talking about how you've accepted that you can't be perfect as a mom, as a lawyer, did, was that a recent you know, finding or did it take you many years to get to that 
conclusion? It took me many years. It did. And, uh, you know, I, I have had an employer, or, you know, and now, like I said, I've been welcomed into the partnership who were very supportive of a work-life balance. Mm, that's amazing. Um, when I came back from maternity leave with my first baby and my husband took some leave as well, uh, Jim Howie, the managing or the founding partner of the firm, came to me that I've worked directly for for years. And he said, Megan, how would you feel about working from home one day a week? Mm. Nobody had ever done this before <laughs> in the firm. I didn't ask for it. It's fantastic. He came to me wow. and he said, how can we make this more fulfilling for you? Because mm. some of us, not him, some of us didn't even know you'd come back because we know how much you love being a mom and, and mm. we know that your mom stayed home with you and your sisters are educated and they stayed home with their kids. We're glad to have you back. How can we support you so that you're fulfilled you know, as a mother and you're That's also? Fantastic. And I was like, Wow, and I've done it ever since. And she's wow. nine years old now. Mm. And like I said, I've had two other kids. Mm. So to be in a place that's supportive of that kind of hybrid, you know, work yeah. workspace, yeah. And, and has been the reason I've stayed. Mm. Well, kudos to them. No kidding. Because when you hear about law firms typically and what's you know what's possible for new moms um, you know technically you're expected to come back the same and work the same as you did before you had children absolutely or you're expected to come back early and that to me was a personal decision because my husband was so excited to take paternity leave <laughs> and you know I was still pumping yeah. um, milk and I would be in the courtroom mm -hmm. and I'd have to say your honor I need to take a break and I'd go and you know pump milk to mm -hmm. keep the supply up I would do it uh, in the office at lunchtime. I'd close my door and mm. read, you know, briefs or whatever, but yeah. pumping. Mark would bring the baby to me to be fed. Um, so it was really a great environment for me. And I take any opportunity I can to talk to other firms or yeah. other other lawyers about how this can work. Mm. I know that there's it's more common to have job sharing between yeah. women. It's more common to work off-site and mm -hmm. work from home. Uh, so I think that there is progress being made, mm -hmm. but the louder I can be about sharing how my firm supported me, yeah. I think sets an example for Absolutely. other firms. Yeah. So I'm happy to share that yeah. with others. <laughs> yeah, that's very inspiring. Um, I'd like to ask about, you, you've talked about what you've kind of come to terms with as far as work-life balance is concerned in those two important areas in your life. but. I'd like to know what your definition of success is, and uh, I'd like to know if it's evolved over time. If I had asked you the same question five, ten years ago, would the answer have been the same? So th I think this is actually a challenging question. Mm -hmm. I think a few years ago I would have said success is obviously partnership at an amazing firm. That's what everybody would tell you success is. Yeah. That is probably what I would have answered. Uh, I have never been somebody that really cares too much about titles. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I think this kind of goes back to my childhood. My father and my mother had their PhDs. Um, my mom had ABD, everything but dissertation, so she was not doctor. My right. father was doctor. Mm -hmm. I have never heard anybody call him doctor. Hmm. He would not allow anybody to call him doctor because that would put him on a pedestal, at mm -hmm. least in his mind. And, and he was again, just somebody with such humility that even though he had a pretty impactful career, 
Um, he never wanted anyone to think that he was any better than them, any smarter than them. Mm. And so for me, I've never really been married to the title partner. Like that doesn't, that's not success to me, at right. least not now. Success, I think, is to me that I have done everything I've committed to do, I've seen it through, and I have not regretted any of the decisions or choices that I've made. So I try to make purposeful decisions in my life. I try to think about why am I doing this or why am I setting this goal? And then when I when I reach it, or even if I fail, at least I have no regrets. Mm. So I think it, it definitely has changed over time. Right. And I think part of it is accepting that, you know, I can't be the best at everything, mm -hmm. yeah. but I can do my best at everything. Mm -hmm. Because I could have left my career and been, quote unquote, perfect mom, perhaps. Full-time mom, yeah. Or forget children and devoted myself to a career yeah. and made partner years earlier. Mm -hmm. But success is that I have somehow managed to do both. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> but I have managed. I, I am... I am a partner at a leading firm. Mm -hmm. I am a mother of three healthy children who mm -hmm. I hope are being instilled with the right values. And I'm married to a wonderful man who has done wonderful things. Mm -hmm. And I'm the biggest thing I think that I want to instill in my kids is again, to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, you're living a privileged life mm -hmm. and do not take that for granted. Yeah. You are no better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And you have an obligation, and it is a real obligation. And so we're trying to teach them that at a very young age, mm -hmm. that uh, you know, not to take things for granted, and that they are to give back in a big way. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, and then my next question would be about balance, which you just brought up. Um, you are obviously extremely busy with a demanding career, being a mom who is actively involved in your kid's life. Uh, and we'll talk about your involvement with uh, Shelter Movers in a moment, but how do you keep grounded and how do you find balance on a, on a daily basis? Yikes. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure I really do it that well. I, it's a struggle mm -hmm. every day, I think. I try, my nature is to come home from work, make dinner, clean up the dishes, sweep the floor, uh, do the homework, get them ready for bed, you know. And I've actually, through the encouragement of my husband, stopped doing a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. Let's have a more simple dinner. I'm not going to clean up until you go to bed. Right. Let's just engage with each other right and yeah. so I actually will go for walks or we'll play in a house that may look like a bomb went off <laughs> but I know the quality time yeah I don't have quantity yeah. I have chosen a career that I don't have quantity time with them mm. so I okay. do make sure that what time I have with them is quality right uh, I try to spend individual time with all three of them mm -hmm. even if it's only half an hour yeah um, I think that's important so I when I am not at work and they are awake, I am with them. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean we're playing all the time. They can help me with housework. Right, right, But right. we are doing it together, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess it's sort of, I mean, frankly, every day is different. I don't mm -hmm. know how, you just make it work, I right, guess. <laughs> right. And are there things that you find yourself, little, little tips that you know make a difference, like maybe it's exercise, meditation, um, is there a routine like that that's super important to you to keep grounded? Hmm. I think I'm not good at exercising. 
I'm not very good at taking time for myself. Mm. If I am not at work, I am focused on my children. Mm -hmm. And it could be time with them, but it could also be volunteering at the school. Right. Or um, making their Rice Krispie squares for right. the class the next day. Right. Um, I think that one thing that is important, though, is that I turn off my phone. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I am not distracted mm -hmm. when I'm with them. So again, we may be doing menial things like yeah. cleaning up our rooms, but yeah. at least we're doing it together and we're right. singing or we're dancing to the music yeah. or whatever. So we may be doing things that are that need to get done, yeah. but I'm not distracted by my work. When right. I am not working, I am with my children mm -hmm. or dedicating my time to my children. And when I am working, mm -hmm. <laughs> obviously my focus is mm -hmm. there. So kind of training myself, I think, not to bring my work into all my thoughts at home yeah. or... Yeah. You know, that's, I think, how I try to do it. Yeah. But again, I fail all the time. So. <laughs> well, but somehow make it work. Somehow it works. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I'm curious, too, because you, you know, you'll go to trial or you'll be uh, defending a victim, you know, negotiating with, uh, with the other party. Is there something that you do when you have one of those days where you need to feel like superwoman and maybe when you're getting out of bed, you're not superwoman yet? Like, is there a routine that, you know, um, kind of allows you to get into that super confident space and know that you can go in that room and take on whatever you need to take on? I would say that I am fortunate to have a spouse who is hugely encouraging to mm -hmm. me. They know how um, discouraged I can be sometimes, to be honest, how some of these cases are not only heartbreaking, but I wonder sometimes if I'm doing the right thing or saying the right thing mm -hmm. or how do I convince the other side. And so Mark is somebody that I bounce things off of, mm -hmm. that I speak to about how I'm feeling vulnerable or concerned, and he listens and he builds me up. He'll encourage me, he'll challenge me, he asks me the right questions. Mm -hmm. um, I call my parents a lot still. Okay. okay. And I say, hey, I'm feeling a little bit beat up today or I'm feeling a little vulnerable, and my dad is the first one to say, and I've believed it my whole life, you can do anything, mm. you can do anything, and mm. you have. So I guess I kind of buy into that say I can do anything mm. I also remember that I am the only thing sometimes that these clients that my clients have right and they were victims mm -hmm. they were not at fault for what mm. happened mm. and they need a voice and I have a job to do right this is my calling this is my job so I also self-talk a lot yeah yeah <laughs> say look you can't have a bad day today yeah You've got to put this together. Mm -hmm. You've got to advocate on their behalf. Mm -hmm. So I've been told I'm intimidating. Um, <laughs> I've been told that you know I'm I'm able to to communicate or to to bridge gaps. So I just say, hey, I have some of these skills. Yeah, I need yeah. to use them mm -hmm. for my client's benefit. And yeah, mm. so it's an interesting question. <laughs> well, I know for me, it's you know when I need to and when I used to work in a in, in a more corporate background if I had to prep for a big meeting it would be certain things that I would do a lot of self-talking or you know just putting on you know often the way we dress I mean yes liars also get you yes. know if you're going to trial there's a robe you put on but yep. 
Um, and it's funny, I've, I was watching the uh, the RGB documentary. Yes. Uh, or RBG, rather. Yes. And she has, Root was showing the different colors that she has, and each one had like a special purpose and a special meaning, and she would wear different ones depending on what she was going to do in court that day. And I always thought that was so inspiring. Yeah, that makes sense. No, dress is huge, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wear a cardigan, mm-hmm. sometimes you're sending a different message than if you're wearing a, you know. Power suit. Power suit. Yeah. And my husband makes fun of me because I have a hot pink suit. I've got a red suit. I've got pink shoes. I've got, you know what? I can wear a suit, mm-hmm. but I can also make it a feminine, you know, look. And that makes me more powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you could do it without without a suit, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about your involvement with Shelter Movers um, so tell me more about the organization, and obviously your your husband uh, is is running the the organization today. Um, I'd like to know about how it started, the idea behind it, and first let's tell our listeners about what the organization actually is. Sure, so Shelter Movers is a national charity now that provides free moving services to women and children who are fleeing abusive homes. Mm-hmm. It is filling a gap in the system. So many women who leave an abusive home leave with only the shirt on their back. They leave all their valuables behind, clothing, not to mention furniture and things that they, you know, have accumulated over time. Um, Kids crafts, Mm. photographs, all left behind. Mm. And statistically, women tend to go back to an abusive home six times. Mm. And shelter movers, once the woman has moved into shelter, goes into the home, packs up her belongings, either with her or, you know, with her sort of on the sideline giving instruction. Right. And they move the items into a storage facility that's usually donated. And when the woman and her children are ready to move out of shelter into a new home, mm-hmm. shelter movers will move her things into her new home. Right. So I think really what it's doing is taking away a barrier mm. that women face when they think of the daunting, mm. you know, life rebuilding challenge that faces her. Um, this is just one barrier that's removed. Mm-hmm. I can go, but I can also go with my things and I don't have to start again from scratch. Right. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. So it started in Toronto. Uh, my husband was actually on paternity leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, paternity leave with our first baby. Statistically, apparently, men take on extreme sports when they're or extreme activities when they're on pat leave. Really? I don't know what that's so about, but I've I've read about it. And he's <laughs> he's stereotypical. So he first it was triathlon, and okay. he competed in the U.S. in triathlon. Mm-hmm. Secondly, and in Canada, the second baby, it was Muay Thai. So okay. again, he took that on and he fought in Canada, <laughs> he fought in the US. And with the third baby, it was shelter movers. I don't dare have another baby. I'm afraid he'll run for like prime minister <laughs> yeah, exactly. or something. That's it. So three is going to emerge. Exactly. <laughs> three babies is enough. But his thought at the time that he started shelter movers, he did his research to see if it existed. Mm-hmm. It does not exist. Mm-hmm. He really, he was in the corporate world unfulfilled in his career, wanted to make a difference, Mm -hmm. started this charity not knowing where it would go, and it's now expanded from Toronto to Ottawa to Vancouver, Halifax opens in the next couple of weeks, and it is, they are in discussion or growth in Mm -hmm. multiple other Canadian cities, and uh, it's really taken off, so it is his full-time career at this point, and it's really 
so devastating that it's so needed. I yeah. think it's still, the statistics is still that once every six days a woman in Canada is killed by her intimate partner. Oh, wow. So the hope is obviously that they change those statistics. Yeah. They're quite literally changing people's lives yeah. by yeah. getting them out, out with support. Right. So this is completely funded uh, in terms of the moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're about $200 a move. Mm-hmm. And so it's all, you know, sponsored by the donations of, of corporations and individuals. Right. And that allows them to do this work. Really, it's a moving company. Yeah. It's not right. yes. it's not fancy. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's very sophisticated yeah. in terms of the security. That's exactly. Yeah. And and probably liaising with the shelter where the women are, are ending up as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The confidentiality. Yeah. The donation of the shelter of uh, the storage space. Right. The you know, just empowering empowering these these people when you're yeah. interacting with them. Um, you know, renting the unmarked cars right. so that they can't be traced. Yeah. You know, they kind of, in some ways, are sort of ninjas. They go yes. in and yeah. they get out, and that's just such a tremendous support. Sophie Grégoire Trudeau did a move with them uh, a few months ago, I think, mm-hmm. in Ottawa, just acknowledging the work that they do right. and the support that she lends, obviously, to women's issues like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's, it makes a big difference. Yeah. So how many moves has... Shelter movers then since its inception. They're closing in on a thousand moves. Wow. Yeah, in Canada. Congratulations. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting, mm-hmm. really. Um, again, devastating that, that there's such a need. Yeah. But pretty amazing that there is this piece of the puzzle that's now being serviced. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And it's fantastic that your husband took on, you know, that, that new role and has built the organization. Um you probably had a conversation at one point where he said, well, you know, I'm going to be leaving my cushy corporate job with a regular paycheck every two weeks and then go on to the world of not-for-profit. Um, and it's, I find it very inspiring that the two of you, you know, kind of went into that as, as partners and really agreed that this was going to make sense for your family moving forward. Yeah. So he, I think, was raised very similar to me. Again, if we have this privilege if we have these opportunities we are it's not an option Mm -hmm. we must use them to somehow support people that don't have the same opportunity as we do so he very much and this is one of the reasons I think we connect so well is that he very much has the same motivation as I do in Mm -hmm. terms of our life philosophies it was it was not a like lightly taken decision Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day put quite simply it's the right thing to do and so we have compromised Mm -hmm. you know especially time together I suppose this has required a tremendous devotion of Mm -hmm. time on his part Mm -hmm. to get this up and running and uh, to have it so um, uh, the details so well worked out Mm -hmm. Um, and to expand nationally is not no small undertaking so obviously it's sort of taken away in some ways from the time that we used to spend together but again, it's almost a family thing. I appreciate that my kids are being taught the right yeah, lessons. Such inspiration for them. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the people that this type of thing attracts is are incredible people. These mm-hmm. are people that the volunteers that want that have the same philosophy. Yeah. That really want to contribute and make the world a better place. So mm-hmm. it's really awesome to be in an environment with that type of people surrounding you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just so motivating. Yeah. Yeah. Very inspiring work. Um and now we have a couple of signature the brand is female questions. So I ask the same questions to every guest I speak to. And one of them is, if you could go back in time, 10, 15 years back, is there something you would do differently if you had the chance? 
I would say yes. I was 23 years old, just finished my undergraduate degree, when I decided that I was too old to do one more year of uh, university to get some sciences okay. to apply to medical school. Oh. It's funny how old you think when you're 23. <laughs> I don't know where life would have taken me if I had gone to medical school. Mm -hmm. I do feel a sort of, not a calling, but an ability to or a desire to serve people who are victims, who mm -hmm. are ill. I would have liked to explore the area of palliative care, mm -hmm. being with people at the end of their lives. But my career has got me to a place where I feel like I have that fulfillment mm -hmm. in what I do. Mm -hmm. And so who knows where I would have gone if, if that had been, if I had pursued that. Mm -hmm. But in many ways, I think I'm just as fulfilled doing what I do um, because of the opportunity that I have to help people mm -hmm. who are not necessarily end of life, though some yeah. of them are, yeah. but who are just horribly hurt and unable to fight, unable to speak. Yeah. So you're helping them in a different way than a medical doctor would. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in some ways, who knows, maybe in a more effective way. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I, you know, I, 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 on a very practical level, can help them in many, many yeah. different ways. One, often winning a case will allow them to get the medical services that they need. Absolutely. Uh, depending on their situation. Yeah. And the other thing, I guess, about the type of work I do is people that are not able to work or they're not able to pay for their treatment, we usually work on a contingency basis, which is also a misconception. Right. right. Um, because most lawyers get paid by the hour. Right. And people in accidents think, how could I possibly afford, afford this? Yeah, exactly. But we, in most cases, take on the case and we're only paid years later mm -hmm. when the case is resolved. Right. So that financial burden is not on our clients. Right. And I think, again, it's a misconception that people think they just can't afford it and so they yeah. give up or they don't bother fighting. Right. So. Mm. And if we fast forward in time, so 10 years ahead of us, looking back, what do you think will be the one thing you'll be the most proud of? And, so, and I can think of many in your case, but <laughs> for you, what would be the one thing that really makes it all worth it and that's going to have such value in your life? So in, I have to bring this back to the kids because in 10 years, they'll be 19, 17, and 14, mm -hmm. which is a problem because she's a girl and apparently girls are difficult, <laughs> so we'll be right in the throes of teenagehood. But honestly, if I instill some of the principles that my parents instilled in me just humility, um, leadership by example, mm -hmm. uh, a empowerment in terms of encouraging that they can do anything they set their mind to, mm -hmm. and the fact, again, that we expect them to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. If they do those things, if I have created little people who grow into adults who then impact the world in a positive way, mm -hmm. I will be very proud. Mm -hmm. Not sure I can get there, <laughs> but uh, oh, that's the goal. You're it's, it's looking pretty good. I think with inspiring <laughs> parents and parents who are so involved and in wanting to teach, you know, your kids uh, that way of life, I think, I think it'll be great. <laughs> well, I, I'm really hopeful. I'm hopeful that we create little monsters into little angels. Mm. Um, is there a book that changed or deeply influenced your life? That's an interesting question. I do not read nearly as much as I would like to. I read a lot of law. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I read a lot of medical reports. Mostly what I read are kids' books. 
Oh, because yeah, that's well. part of our nightly routine. Duchess Seuss has um, some great wisdom in there. Exactly, exactly. There's actually a book in particular that I've always loved, and it's called We Planted a Tree. I can't remember who writes it. Mm. But it's about a, a family that plants a seed, and it grows into a tree, and they talk about on each page the tree provides uh, irrigation for the soil. Mm. The tree provides shade. The tree provides nutrients. Mm -hmm. The tree provides oxygen. The tree, and you, you see this tree grow, and you see the kids grow, mm -hmm. and you see them have their own children who are then sitting under the tree. And it's beautiful. So it is beautiful. It's beautiful about just the impact of a little seed yeah. and the good that a tree can do. But obviously, yeah. there's other messages about yeah. planting seeds and growth and right. nurturing. And I, I love the message in that book. Mm. And so I actually give it to everybody when they have a baby. <laughs> um, and I read it to my kids still all the time. Pages mm. are all ripped. Right. And, and But I think the message is, mm. is huge. And there's also that feeling that I have of holding my babies mm. and reading them and going, reading to them and saying, oh, you know, I've had a stressful day. Yeah. I'm taking a deep breath. I'm here with the most important people in my life. Mm -hmm. And this book has meaning. So it's like, yes, I'm doing something right. Or at least you feel like you are. Yeah. But it's so interesting you say that because there's a lot of wonderful children's books. And I don't have children of my own, but I really enjoy buying books for the children of my friends and people in my life. Um, recently, a friend was showing me. She bought this book for her little girl. And it's basically kind of a reverse Cinderella story where at the end of the story, the princess in the book chooses to uh, live on her own and like go have a career because the prince is really being an asshole. <laughs> Love it. Love and it. It's it's so interesting now that there's these like modern day, you know, feminist children's books. But there's so many inspi often I find children's book more inspiring than, you know, adults. Yeah, because the messages sometimes are so simple yeah. and yet so complex. Like yeah. so deep you can get so many things out of them. And so the discussions we've had about the different parts of mm. this, you know, this book or that kind of messaging. Mm. Like, there's a lot more books yeah. that are a lot more, you know, appropriate in terms of women being yeah. strong yes. and independent mm. and not needing to depend on any, you know, rely on anybody, mm. which is great. I mean, it helps us teach our kids mm. about what's right yeah. and what's not mm. not okay. Mm. Um, what do you wish women would do more of? So I think I kind of touched on this earlier. I really think women need to advocate more for women mm -hmm. in the sense that we need to encourage each other because I think we're changing the language. Mm -hmm. And if we go out of our way to say, I like this about you, I have noticed this about you and I just want to encourage you to keep doing it because I notice how it, whatever, how you've, how you related to that lawyer or how you dealt with that client or and it could be physical too mm -hmm. I like how you done your hair today or you mm -hmm. all you know I think that makes a difference when we verbalize what our thoughts are that are encouraging to other women and like I said I've, I've seen it take down barriers I've seen hard become soft mm -hmm. and I think that I hope that they will go ahead and they will do the same to mm -hmm. other women. I actually purposefully, for as a New Year's resolution, said to myself one year, every day I'm going to find a woman, I could know her or it could be a complete stranger mm -hmm. in a mall, 
where I stop them and I say, I like this about you, mm-hmm. or I admire that. Mm. And it was really, it's really funny to see, because people think might think you're a bit crazy <laughs> in a mall, but I've stopped people and said, those are awesome shoes, yeah. where did you get those? And yeah. even though it's not about their personality, it's yeah. like, oh, you're talking to me, you're yeah. acknowledging something that I chose, that yeah. I've chosen to wear yes. today. Um, but also calling someone on the phone and saying, hey, I just read the decision that you got. That must have been really challenging. Good for you. Mm. Your name is on that, you know, superior court decision. Yeah. Uh, I bet that was a lot of work. I hope that you feel acknowledged for it because I've read it and I'm going to use it or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. Taking the time to do that makes a big difference, I think. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that that, again, will have a ripple effect and that women will feel more supportive of each other. Yeah. And so that's a great idea. It's a simple idea, yeah. but I do think it makes a difference. It makes a big difference. And being on, when you're on a receiving end or something like that, it like brightens up your whole day. And you never know what kind of day the person's having too, right? Exactly. You never know. Mm. That's so true. And then that just lifts you up. And you want to be genuine, yeah. for sure. Yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't have it come across as you know, yeah. not genuine. Yeah. But no, no, you can usually find exactly. something yes. in everybody that yes. you would say, I like that. Yeah. Or I'm inspired by I'm inspired what you said by or you that. did. Yeah. I'm really motivated by mm-hmm. that. Or I really respect that. Mm-hmm. And I just think that we need to boost each other's confidence. Yes. So many yes. of us lack confidence yes. or have inferiority syndrome, yeah. as they say. Well, I can tell you, every woman I've had on the show... And, you know, they're all inspiring women from different industries, different backgrounds, walks of life, but everyone has this amazing story. And the, the other women looking at them are in awe of what they've accomplished or what they're building for themselves. Every woman I've spoken to has areas of, you know, they feel imposter syndrome or don't feel that they're doing enough or they haven't achieved success yet or, and we're the hardest critiques you know all the time we're very hard on ourselves as women yeah um i find men tend to be a little softer a little gentler with you know where they are under achievement oh totally yeah or they always have an excuse for why they're not yes, right and for true. us it's because we fell short i yeah. said inferiority syndrome i meant imposter syndrome but mm. frankly mm-hmm. it's the same it is word same. i suppose yeah. that yeah. we don't feel like we deserve to be where we are we yeah. absolutely do yeah Nobody has handed this to us on a silver platter, mm. you know, in terms of we, we work hard mm. to get where we are. And hopefully that is inspiring for other and for other women and that we um, encourage other women mm-hmm. to get where we're at. And we're not threatened by that. Yeah, There's enough exactly. room for all of us. That's it. That's it. And yeah. together we're stronger. We're all opening doors for each other. It's true. Let's do that. Yeah. And I think... Again, I think because of the We Too movement and things, I think things are changing, and that's Agreed. so encouraging. Yeah. But there's still a lot yeah. that can be done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. And my last question, um, is there a saying or a quote, an expression, and it could be something you made up or something that someone has said uh, that you like to repeat to yourself over and over? So I also grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. So I am I am a Christian, and I obviously, my faith is very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. And what I always repeat to myself is uh, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. That's really what I try to live by. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very simple. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's their words to live by. Yeah, a good daily reminder. That's right. 
Well, thank you so much, Megan. It was great having you on The Brand is Female. I wish you all the best with your career and with the children and with uh, Shelter Movers. The work you do is very inspiring. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate speaking with you. My pleasure. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really makes a difference. I'll be back next week with a new guest on the show. Thank you so much for listening.